Okay. Well, many years ago, or actually many decades ago, I was talking to a neighbour of mine and she was gossiping about the lady next to her. And she was saying how this lady had been carrying on about her husband, yelling and swearing and carrying on, I'm just his slave. And she was describing that a bit. And the neighbour who was repeating all this said, well, I'd be very happy to be his slave if I got a car like that. Well, this other woman hated being treated like a slave, even with the car. And my guess is that most of us would be the same because we like to be free. We like freedom. No one wants to be a slave of any sort. One dictionary describes freedom as the power or the right to act or speak or think as we want. Wow. wow. Well, I think we'd have to use that level of freedom very carefully or else we could end up in prison for taking our right to act as we want just a bit too far. Now, other people have more modest views about what freedom means. Here's, here's a few of them. Waking up every morning and loving the body that I'm in. No shame, no guilt. We can imagine what restricts them. Being able to work for myself instead of working for the man. That's a common theme. Travelling the world and experiencing only new places and new adventures. Well, they really feel stuck. Having a good relationship with food. Same old theme again. Conquering my battle with depression and anxiety. Yep, a lot of people want to be free of that. Living positively, we're all on that journey. Living with no fear, being myself, living my life for me and being proud of the person that I am. Well, there's some good ideas there, but I suspect that they tell us more about the issues that those people are struggling with, about the stuff that they want to get free of, rather than what freedom actually means. In the Bible, we read about true freedom. If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. John 8, verse 36. And then in verse 31 and 32 of the same chapter, Jesus said, If you remain or abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Son and the truth are one and the same. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your Son. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you give us freedom. The sun will set you free. The truth will set you free. And God, so many of us here today need freedom in so many areas of life. And sometimes it's so hard. We're so stuck. We're so bound. We're so enslaved in different ways. And I just pray that you will make your word flesh in our lives today and that the truth will set us free. I pray that you will do miracles, breakthroughs, Lord, today, that this morning your word will come and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the truth will set you free. Now, we all know that there's truth and there's truth. I guess we've all heard that oath that is often used in courtrooms in New Zealand and many other nations as well. 
In its simplest form, it goes like this. I promise to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Well, for some people, that means anything but the truth, doesn't it? (laughs) But when Jesus says truth, he really says a mouthful. He's not talking about just anyone's version of truth, not just one item of information. It's not about being well-educated. He's not even talking about a whole library of facts. This is not the kind of knowing that gives us freedom from ignorance. Uh This is is different. It's the kind of knowing that gives us freedom from sin. And it's the freedom that's about getting victory over these things that we battle with. Getting victory over besetting sins and living increasingly holy lives. Now, knowing this truth that Jesus is talking about is a whole package. And the package includes knowing the Bible, the written word, and also, because truth is a person, it includes knowing Jesus, the living word. So there's those two sides. It's about discipleship. So the written word of the package is about knowing and believing and obeying the Bible. And the living word of the passage of the package rather is about intimacy relationship about just growing and increasing to know jesus and also that includes knowing and obeying and following him now moving on when jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free of course some of the jews were offended as per usual Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Well, they claimed that they'd never been slaves. Like, really? They had been slaves to the Egyptians. That was one point. And right then they were in some kind of bondage to Rome. Among other things, they could be shoulder tapped by a Roman soldier at any time and they would have to immediately stop whatever they were doing and carry his heavy gear for one mile or else. And not to mention that they were paying exorbitant taxes as well. But Jesus wasn't even talking about the slavery that they had in mind. He said anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. God created us and he can see that the most important and urgent thing that we need to be free of is sin. And we're all sinners. And whether we like it or not, we've all got to be involved in this lifelong pursuit of getting more and more free from sin. Now, when we think about freedom, you know, you always get people who say like, oh, I'm my own man or my own person. It's my life. I can do what I want. Well, really, sometimes they're not as free as they think. You know, like maybe they get into alcohol, for example, and for a while it's like, yes, it numbs their pain, it fills a hole in their soul, whatever, and then it turns on them. And it gets such a grip on them that they can't stop drinking even when it's wrecking their life, their family, their health, and taking them deeper into debt by the day. You see, sin promises a lot. But in the end, it doesn't deliver. And yes, addiction comes to church. 
sure, there are a lot of Christians, as many as you know, who battle addictions right across the board. Or maybe our tongue is the problem. We've been hearing a lot about that, and we all know when we can't stop criticizing, gossiping, lying, swearing, complaining, or we can't forgive, whatever. But one way or another, we all know that we struggle daily with sin in our thoughts, our words, our deeds. And the Bible calls it bondage. Nothing enslaves us like sin. It corrupts everything from our thinking through to our actions. It destroys our peace, it ruins our life, and worst of all, it separates us from God. And that's the biggie, because ultimately, that's got the potential to take us to the wrong place when we die. Now, a well-known Bible teacher, John Piper, uses skydiving as a picture of freedom. Pastor Kathy's done the skydiving. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll paraphrase this a bit. Now, skydiving, jumping out of planes, is not my idea of fun or freedom, right? <laughs> but just let's say this is your idea of real freedom, acceleration, skydiving. So you plan your first skydive, and you just can't wait to do this. You know, like freedom all the way. You've got the opportunity, the money, the eligibility, the time, the courage. There's nothing to hold you back, like freedom, here we come. But on the way to the airfield, you run into the back of someone at some traffic lights, like, uh uh-oh, big mess, big hold-up. You've lost the freedom of opportunity. Well, after a while, you're going to have another shot. This time you get there. But at the airfield, they won't let you jump because you, you were supposed to do this class about how to open your parachute and all that, and you've got to have a certificate and you skip the class. Mm. Now you lack the freedom of eligibility. Well, after a while, you think you're gonna have another shot. So you get to the airfield, you've attended the class, you've got the certificate to prove it, and you go up in the plane and they open the door and you look down, Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Suddenly you're paralyzed with fear. You have the opportunity, the eligibility, but your freedom of desire has evaporated. You can't do it. Well, after a while, you've psyched yourself up, you've read some books, you've talked yourself around, you're completely free to make this jump. This is your fourth and your final try. Nothing is going to stop you this time. You get there, it's all go, you're up in the door, you're up in the air, they open the door. This is amazing because you can't wait to jump out. And then you take a leap and you're screaming, but it's fantastic. The view is amazing. You're loving every second of it. This is freedom. But then, uh uh-oh, there's a problem. It's a biggie. Your parachute won't open. How free are you? You're not free at all. What you started doing so happily, so freely, is going to kill you. You didn't know that when you started. You're in bondage to destruction. At first it felt like freedom, but that was just an illusion. 
in 30 seconds you're going to be dead. <laughs> Thanks, John Piper. It's the same with sin. You know, first of all, like, it's going to satisfy us. It's going to, it's going to fill up that inner emptiness. It's so appealing. But the Bible tells us sin does not end well. You know, ever since the Garden of Eden, man has had this idea that freedom is about throwing off God's restraints and getting out of God's boundaries. But like that little story brings out, it's just an illusion. It's not real. We need to understand that God's boundaries are not prison bars. They're actually there for our safety and our well-being. On the other hand, sinning and rebelling against God's requirements doesn't make for a happy landing. Freedom is about living within God's boundaries, living inside the truth. And one, that's one of the lessons that we see in the book of Ruth. Back in the Old Testament, in the days of the judges, which was a very dark time in Israel's history, an Israelite man called Elimelech decided that he was going to leave Israel because there was a famine going on there. And so he, got, he took his wife and his two sons and he left his God-given inheritance in Israel and he moved over the border of Israel into the land of Moab. And that was not a good idea. It wasn't the right thing to do because in Bible times, a famine was a sign of God's judgment. And God's instruction to his people was, first of all, stay put. Don't leave Israel unless God specifically told them to, which he did at times, but most of all, it was don't leave because God had promised he would look after them there. That was the first thing. And, they, and then they were to seek God, find out what the famine was about, and then repent and put it right. Elimelech failed at point one. He thought he was saving the lives of his family by going over the boundary into Moab. But both he and his two sons died there. His wife, Naomi, was the only one who survived when they failed to stay inside God's boundaries. You know, we can experience famine conditions in many areas of life, and then there's that temptation to step outside of God's boundaries to find some relief. And usually it's just an interim measure. I'll just stop going to church just for a while, just until things get better. That was Elimelech's plan, just until the famine was over. Elimelech never made it back, never got back to Israel. You know, when we take ourselves out of God's boundaries, morally, financially, in any area of life, we take ourselves out of the place of God's blessing, provision, freedom, and then we find out the hard way that Moab promises a lot, but it doesn't deliver. You know, last Sunday night, what a great night. And we heard those amazing testimonies of God's faithfulness and goodness through the, the lockdowns with COVID-19. And here's another testimony that um, one of our members sent in, and I've been sitting on this for a while, but it's just a great testimony, and it really brings out the wisdom, again, of staying inside God's boundaries. And this time it's about tithing. 
You know, this man said that due to being paid only the government subsidy, I was having issues with my cash flow and was falling behind in paying my tithes. And that's often what we do when things get tight because it's hard. He said, then I felt a strong conviction that I needed to keep paying the tithes. So I made a decision to catch up on the tithes and keep up regular tithing payments. I would rephrase that, made a decision to stay inside God's boundaries. He says, the next day, the next day, I got a call from the Inland Revenue Department letting me know I had paid too much tax since 2014, and if I would confirm my bank details, they would pay me back on May the 15th. Some people might say it was my money anyway, and it would have been paid back to me at some point, but the timing was amazing. It came right at the time when I most needed it, and it was the day after I made the decision to catch up with my tithes. And there's more. On the Monday evening after I got my tithes paid up, my boss called to ask me about the number of hours I'd worked the previous week. The next day he told me that I'd, he'd received an approval from the head office for an additional payment for me. I thank the Lord for blessing me financially during the time when I was having financial difficulty. God is faithful to his promises, and I encourage everyone to continue giving. Isn't that a great, great testimony? Freedom comes when we live within the truth. Well, that was a... a you know, a great answer, but unfortunately, freedom doesn't always happen so quickly. Yeah. And isn't that the truth? And don't so many of us know it. It can be a long, hard journey. But just keep in mind that our dear Saviour took the longest and the hardest journey yeah. for us. Right. Right. And I'm just going to go through this story, and I hope it will really encourage all of those who are finding themselves on the long, hard road to freedom. Now this is a true story with a few details changed. A man who I'll call Brian had become a Christian and he was having a huge struggle to get free from an addiction to porn. Now this is going back a long way, right? Because he was tempted by pornography bookstores. And I don't think bookstores are a problem now because now it's just like the internet, the phone, whatever. Now, one day, Brian was driving home, and he felt particularly lonely. Loneliness is a trigger for that addictive cycle, right? And he felt really lonely, and so then he was really... He drove past the pawn shop, and then you can see the struggle going on. He drove past it, and then he drove around again, and then again, and again, and again, four times. Then the only thing that stopped him was a Christian sticker on the back of his car. Who remembers the days when we had stickers? I had one when I was young, when I was young. I remember one day, and I, I said, I'm going to take the sticker off my car and drive how I like. And straight away, I had the thought come, you leave the sticker on and drive how I like. <laughs> Those were the days, man. We don't have those stickers now. So we all drive how we like, right? <laughs> anyway, he, that was the thing. The Christian sticker stopped him going, 
going on, but he was addicted to porn, and at that moment, he was powerfully trapped in that addictive cycle. Eventually, he did stop in that car park, but before he got out, he read his Bible. It didn't help. You can see the intense battle that's going on. And then he got in and out of the car a few times, praying for God's power, quoting Bible verses. Finally, he had just enough strength to put the key back in the ignition and drive away. And later he wrote in his journal, thank you, Lord, for not letting me shut down on you that day. He said he was right on the edge, but God gave him just enough strength to pull himself back. So much that he thought, next time I can do this. Well, next time was triggered again when he felt very tired and isolated. Note the triggers again. And anyone who's addicted to anything, try and avoid those things. Of course, that's easier said than done. Now, the apartment block where he lived had a pool, and he was down beside the pool, and this lovely-looking lady um, from the apartment over him, above him, leaned out and invited him up. Well, he knew it was stupid, but he went. Within 30 seconds, she was propositioning him, and he so wanted to give in, and he just fluffed around saying a few silly things, and finally he said, God will know, and he basically fled. When he got back to his apartment, he almost collapsed. He called his small group leader and they prayed together. And here we see discipleship at work. He was in a small group, it was working for him. He had support, he had prayer, and my guess is he had accountability as well. The truth will set you free. It was so hard for Brian to make the effort to reach out to God for the grace to say no, but he did it, and that was his last big battle. After that, he was free from that addiction to porn. That was it. So we'll have a look at this. Jesus said to the Jews who'd come to believe in him, if you remain or abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Just those few words, if you remain or abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That gives us just like a little snapshot of what it, some of what it means to be a disciple. You know, knowing the truth is not about learning one piece of information. It's a lifelong pursuit of knowing Jesus. It's about knowing and abiding in the word. And that means reading and studying the Bible so that we get as much out of it as we can. Having our ears tuned in to what God is saying to us. And then, of course, obeying it. Because what's the point of reading the Bible if we don't take any notice of what it says? And then there's more, because a disciple is a member of the body of Christ, part of a family, united under one head for a great purpose. Disciples are on a mission to get the good news of Jesus out to a lost and dying world. Disciples are called to go and make disciples. So how was this truth operating in Brian's life? This is getting into the hard stuff now. Someone said God gives us the boat and the oars, and then he says to us, it's up to you to row. And that means doing some hard yards of applying the truth. 
Now, step one, and Brian had obviously do, done this, is to believe in Jesus and his sacrificial death on the cross on our behalf and to invite him into our lives to be our Lord and Saviour. That's getting started on the discipleship journey. And he found freedom in knowing the truth and making the effort to live inside the boundaries of God's word. But, you know, like so many of us, he had this battle on his hands, and his issue, big issue, was his addiction to porn. And some of you right now are thinking, I'm in the same boat. I've got this massive struggle with sin. Colossians 3, verse 5 and 7 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Now, verse 7 tells us we used to walk in those ways, like past tense. Now we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Yes, we're absolutely in a battle, but we've got these resources to help us to win. The power of the Holy Spirit, God's grace, prayer, the word, support, everything that we need to help us to keep rowing that boat. Because with God, anything is possible. And Jody said it this morning, absolutely anything. God's got it. Now, a couple of verses, and you're probably thinking every time you preach, you bring these verses out. It's probably true. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God's grace teaches us to say no to sin and worldly passions. And so that's us doing the rowing, isn't it? It teaches us to say no. And of course, there's the usual thing of learning any new skill. There's the learning curve. It's really steep at first, and then as we get better at it, it levels off and gets easier. Grace is real, powerful, supernatural, but we still have to do that rowing. And Brian rode so hard, the Holy Spirit helped him powerfully. And as they worked together, Brian got there. That was his last major, major battle. He was free from that addiction. And that can happen to you too. How long does it take? Well, this is the biggie, isn't it? Brian faced some enormous battles getting free from that addiction. Now, sure, the truth set him free. It wasn't easy. It wasn't automatic. And who knows how long it took. You know, why such a long, hard road? We want freedom, and if you're anything like me, we want it now, and if not now, yesterday. (laughs) No one wants the long, hard road. Truly, we don't. But if that's where you are, be encouraged, because Brian got there. Let God just put that hope in your heart today. God gives us the boat and the oars, and he tells us it's up to you to row. You know, I know a lady who was, I mean, this is going back decades, she was a very heavy smoker, heavily addicted. But the moment she got saved, God set her free, and she never, ever smoked again. 
and then a young woman who was in our church, and she was addicted to pee, and it was the same. She got free from the day that she got saved. But then on the other hand, we all know people who have to battle through their addictions the long, hard way. Now, what is all that about? Who knows? We always pray for instant deliverance, and we hope to see more and more of that. Truly, we do. But life is not easy. But then, you know, most people do battle through on that long, hard road. But then what a joy when we get there. And there is a lot to be gained. Proverbs 20 and verse 21 says, An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Or another one, an inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. And isn't that the truth? The contrast between King Saul and King David just gives a striking example of this. Saul became Israel's king the quick and easy way. King David had a very different experience. He was anointed by Samuel and then he went through 13 long, hard years, some of it living as a fugitive, at times roughing it in caves and deserts, being relentlessly hunted by Saul, never knowing when he might die. Which one ended up a dismal failure? You guessed it, Saul. But King David became Israel's greatest king with a lasting dynasty, and Jesus is called David's greatest son. David had his issues with sin, as we all know, but he also earned the title, the man after God's own heart. You know, the long, hard road doesn't look too inviting, but handled correctly, it delivers important life lessons. We just have to keep going, keep rowing, keep praying, keep getting to church, keep abiding in the word, keep getting the support of a small group, just keep getting the good stuff in. So what does freedom look like to you? Impossible? So far away you can't even get a glimpse of it? Whatever, it is within your reach. It is possible, truly. God gives us the boat and the oars and he tells us it's up to you to row. And throughout the Bible, we see that some of God's people went through some very perilous boat trips, but God was always in the boat with them. And he rescued them. No one ever drowned. They all came through. God's with you as you row your boat. You know, we partner with God, but he is seriously the big player. We have our part to play, but he's the big player. We've got to grow in holiness. We've got to learn to say no to sin, but ultimately it's God who gives us the victory. And only God can forgive and cleanse and save us from our sin. And this is where our journey begins. Titus 2 verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now remember that story about the skydive that ended in disaster when the parachute wouldn't open. You know, sin takes us down. If we're gonna be free for all eternity, believe me, we need more than a parachute. We need a savior. And so now I'm gonna hand over to Pastor Sam and he'll finish off. Thank you.